0: Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Got my Rams rehash for you. Had a day to sleep on it. Going to share some additional thoughts on this Ram game, some additional stats as well, and a few other things to cover. And then I'm going to close out this episode with another segment of who's pumped, who's pissed, who's perplexed. I think it's time for one of those. There are a few teams for each category this time around. Before I get into that Ram 49er game one more time, Wanted to get a little bit deeper into this new alignment we have with Fans First Sports Network. This is a really exciting move for us. Good group of guys. They have a bunch of podcasts already, and they are adding our Rams Up podcast as their representative, as their Los Angeles Rams pod. Really exciting. Tom Quartz is going to be helping a lot with that. And we'll have our old buddy Paul Wallia on a lot, as well as my special assistant Matt. And we'll have a lot of crossover episodes. Tom sit down with upcoming opponents, and we'll be sharing that on our pod as part of this Fans First Sports Network. I wanted to touch on this fine, this fine that AD received for this. I guess you'd call it hands to the face, hands gently swiping across a quarterback's helmet. As he's trying to get in his face, make a tackle, Geno Smith getting rid of the ball, he was fined more than DK Metcalf. Now, Metcalf got two fines. One for the action against our defenseless cornerback after the play, Witherspoon, and then another fine for his behavior on the ensuing play. I don't get it, though. You find a guy that comes up behind a cornerback in between plays and levels him. $10,000 was it? And then AD makes a play, and I wouldn't even call it a dirty play. He's just trying to make a play, and his hands got a little out there. Hey, maybe there was some intent there. We can't read AD's mind. But it's mind-blowing to me that AD got fined more than Metcalf. Makes no sense at all. The NFL got this one dead wrong. And unfortunately, as I'm watching this game right now, Nick Chubb, that looks like a pretty serious injury, maybe we'll have a Cam Akers trading partner. And I don't know anything more about that story. I'm not sure I even care at this point. Just time to move on. And wouldn't you know it, Saquon Barkley, another running back, is injured out two games. And who are the Giants' next two games against? You guessed it, the 49ers and the Seahawks, both in prime time. I think I know how both of these games are going to go. Hey, maybe the Giants will surprise us. But maybe the NFL should flex those games out of prime time. They do not seem attractive to me at all. And a couple of things I did forget to mention in last night's pod, that bad beat McVeigh having his guys kick the field goal. Closing the spread to seven points, and that was more or less the odds. Rams plus seven. So Vegas might have been happy. I'm not sure how that went down, but a lot of betters. I would have loved to have been in a sports book in Vegas when the Rams were lining up for that kick. But hey, that's just part of the gambling world. A bad beat for a bunch of people, I suspect. And I didn't really talk about that late. First half TD by the 49ers, and yeah, it was a big momentum-changing series of events. The 49ers doing it right and squeezing in a touchdown right before halftime. What are you gonna do though? They're a great team. You know, you just gotta hope your defense gets better and stops them next time in that situation. Uh, give the 49ers credit; they did the right thing. They went for it, and when you get to that situation, fourth and goal with virtually, what, one second left. Everything in the playbook's on the table at that point. Before that, they pretty much had to pass, but I saw that coming. Fourth down, one second left. You got to defend the run and the pass, and yeah, the quarterback sneak. Maybe that was kind of obvious that was coming. Let's talk snap counts of note. Now, I saw John Johnson out there on the second defensive play of the game for the Rams, Not sure if he was out there for the first, but he ended up with just four snaps. And Laurel Murchison was out there early. Still only ended up with six snaps. Quentin Lake, 10. Kobe Turner, 28. That's almost half of the snaps. Jonah Williams still accumulating more snaps than both Bobby Brown and Kobe Turner. So that's an interesting development. Byron Young out there for 91% of the snaps. Man, they love what he's doing. And on offense, Demarcus Robinson got in late for six snaps. Are the Rams souring on Van Jefferson? He was out there for 82% of the snaps, but that's less than Tutu and Puka. And hey, I'm fully behind that development. Joseph Noteboom played the first 37 snaps before getting hurt. Tremaine Ankram taking the last 43 snaps for Nopum. And I hear Noteboom has a Heck of a shoulder bruise, but I think he's going to be able to go next week. Uh, hey, a few days ago, I handed out some rookie grades, some Ram draft pick grades, and I'm starting to think I may have undergraded some of these guys. You know, fifth-round pick, Puka Nakua, I gave him an A, but come on, man. Set in all kinds of records. Broke the NFL record for most receptions by a rookie in their first two games. First rookie to get 10-plus catches and 100-plus yards receiving in each of his first two games. Right now, he's sandwiched between two guys you've probably heard of at the top of the NFL stats board. Justin Jefferson, 1, Puka Nakua, 2, and Tyreek Hill, 3. That's pretty cool to see that Puka Nakua's name up there. Could be the steal of the draft at this point. Third round pick Byron Young, eight pressures. Only one rookie has more than him, Jalen Carter. Byron Young, more pressures than number three overall pick Will Anderson at this point. And did you see Brian Baldinger's video on Steve Avila? Wow, if you don't appreciate great offensive line play, well, then don't bother. Don't go watch it. It's a fun view. Brian Baldinger falling in love with Evelis' play, and so am I. And Baldinger knows what he's talking about. You know, this guy knows the game. And Kobe Turner, you know, he's pitching in too. Maybe not a lot of splash plays at this point. You know, defensive line, they have their moments, and then they may seemingly disappear. We've seen that happen to AD. Does not mean they're not playing well? I think Kobe Turner was a solid pick as well. And then there's Ethan Evans, seventh in the league in punting average at this point. Rams coverage units aren't really helping them out otherwise. And there's some other guys we're still going to hear from. I think Trey Tomlinson, Nick Hampton, a couple other guys. Really good draft for the Rams. This could end up being Les Snead's masterpiece. Once in a while you hear about a team that just has one incredible draft and it sets them up for years. And this could be the one for the Rams. And I haven't even mentioned the solid return. They're starting to get on one of last year's picks, Kyron Williams. That's right. He has looked so good. And a couple other notes, stats-wise, Matthew Stafford, third in passing yardage. Ernest Jones, kind of a little bit of a quiet game against the 49ers, but he's tied with a bunch of guys at 18th in tackles. And Kyron Williams, by the way, leads the league with four touchdowns. And next week, the Rams move on to the Bengals. That spread has shrunk from Bengals minus six to Bengals minus two. And that means what Joe Burrow isn't going to play, right? Next man up, Jake Browning has never thrown a completion in the NFL. Let's not overlook him. How many times have we seen these young quarterbacks come in and just play lights out? Rams can't take them lightly. Right now, I think this is pretty much an even game. I mean, I'd probably take the Rams... But it's on the road. Bengals are a good team, but I like the Rams' chances in this one. We'll be back in a minute with another segment of Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, and Who's Perplexed. Okay, let's get into it. Another episode of Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, Who's Perplexed, taking the pulse of fan bases across the NFL. This is my favorite segment, personally. Love doing this. Who's pumped? Well, how about the commanders? Sam Howe, I mean, everybody's talking about all these different young quarterbacks across the league. And here comes Sam Howe rallying his team twice in a row. The commanders of all teams improved to two and in the toughest division in the league, perhaps right now. And what a comeback it was. Commanders fans have to be pumped, and they've had it rough over the last few years. The name change and their owner finally moving on—it's a good day to be a Commander fan, I think. And how about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They were rebuilding too. They were resetting. They bring in Baker Mayfield to replace Tom Brady. They still have some weapons there, good defense, but it's a weak division. Maybe there's a glimmer of hope for them. And then they come out of the gate two and zero. It's been a little bit of a weak schedule get by the Vikings, who are, I wouldn't call the Vikings a weak team, but they're not necessarily a tough draw on opening day either. And then they come home and beat the Bears, as they should. So we have a lot to learn about the Bucks still. They may not be very good at all, but Baker Mayfield is playing well. And it's a good day to be a Bucks fan too, at least for this week. And I have to tell you, I think Rams Nation is pumped. I'm pumped. I just love the way this team is playing. I think the national media is finally coming around to the fact that Sean McVeigh knows how to coach. Matthew Stafford is an elite quarterback, and the Rams have drafted really, really well and very quickly flipped that roster. Now, this year may not be their year, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and this tunnel could be very, very short. It could be a very brief stay in irrelevant land for the Los Angeles Rams. Actually, it may already be over. Love this team. I love the way they play, and there's a bunch of guys on this team that are easy to get behind and root for. Who's pissed? Well, the Broncos and the Lions are both pissed. (laughs) The Broncos go to 0-2. They score on the Hail Mary, and then From what I am told, I saw it briefly. Their wide receiver got held on that two-point conversion attempt that would have sent the game into overtime. And they're 0-2, the first time the Broncos have ever opened up with two home losses in their history. It's not looking good for the Broncos. That's a tough division. The Chargers are 0-2 as well. That's probably the only solace they can find. But the Raiders 1-1, the Chiefs 1-1. So it's not over for the Broncos, but, man, they got to be pissed. And Lions fans are pissed as well. Similar situation. Seahawks trying to score in overtime. A touchdown ends the game. And this one was really blatant. I saw this. Aiden Hutchinson, their great young rusher, edge rusher, gets held. It was so obvious. And sometimes refs say, I'm just not going to throw the flag. Sometimes I kind of get it. In this case, they should have thrown the flag. And Jets fans are pissed. And they're not pissed at anyone in particular. But but they have to be pissed the way this season has flipped. I saw a video of a bunch of Jets fans watching this play unfold. And they were in such denial that it was basically, hey, he's going to get up. He's just He's just resting. He's OK. He's just slowing down the game a little bit. And then they slowly began to realize that their season might already be over four snaps. And how about the guys that had him as their fantasy football quarterback? And they need Aaron Rodgers to score a handful of points. Kind of the situation with Nick Chubb tonight, unfortunately, as well. So Jets fans are pissed because it's not looking good for them. They're 1-1, one and, one, and they won that game against the Bills. Still... And, you know, as happy as Ram fans feel after a loss to the 49ers, chess fans had to feel really horrible after that win. And the Charger fan base is pissed. And again, you know, who are they going to blame? It's just everything. It Being a Charger fan is just a rough haul, and it has been for years. They're always competitive. They're always pretty good, and they can never seal the deal. And, and now they have an 0-2 start in a year that, A lot of people were picking them to be really strong this year, including me. When are we going to learn? You know, when are we going to learn? Chargers will probably win next week, and we'll get right back to getting behind them until something horrible happens once again. And I have to tell you, I saw a headline about Brandon Staley losing it when asked about the Chargers and if the Chargers' struggles are related to their collapse against the Jaguars last year, and this headline suggested he had just lost it. And I watched the interview, and he was actually very composed, passionate, and defended his team and his staff and said, hey, it has nothing to do with it. we got a bunch of great men in this locker room. We're working hard. We're trying hard. We're disappointed. But it has nothing to do with that loss. And I didn't see it as Staley losing it, not at all. I thought he handled it very well. Perplexed. Well, the Giants fan base has to be perplexed. Why do I say that? Hey, they had a great comeback, an incredible comeback. But you're down by that much to the Cardinals in the first place? I'd be a little perplexed. And now you lose Saquon Barkley. Maybe they're bordering on getting pissed at this point. They very well could lose their next two games without Saquon. But I'd be perplexed mostly because they fall behind to the Arizona Cardinals, a team that's supposedly punting on the season. And maybe that's what happened. I considered that f- perhaps the Cardinals were going to win that game and then reconsidered and said, what the heck are we doing? We don't want to win. And that's why the Cardinal fan base is another perplexed fan base. Maybe they don't know either what this team is trying to do. But uh, I think their coach is getting it done. Down the road, they could be a scary team to face. When they have nothing to lose, they got a quarterback that's pretty dynamic, Joshua Dobbs. We'll have to see. Rams get them twice. I want to pencil in two wins for the Rams, but I'm not going to do that. No better. And I also think Eagles fans are perplexed, and I don't know why, but they were booing during an Eagles win, so I guess they're perplexed. Maybe they're pissed. I don't know. It's Philadelphia. You tell me. I know they're a little concerned about how how this Eagle offense is functioning right now. I think that's the bottom line, but yeah, they were booing. They're perplexed, bordering on pissed, pissed at their 2-0 and football team. And I think the 49er fan base has to be a little perplexed. But they're kind of a strange fan base. I don't think they always quite get it. You know, I think they will tell you that they demolished the Rams and they're the best team in the league. But at the same time... They have to be a little concerned about what they saw against the Rams in that first half. I'd be a little perplexed. Hey, this team should have dominated the lowly Rams, right? But it didn't happen. So I think their fan base, if they're being honest with you, are perplexed. And also perplexed mainly due to injuries. The Colts starting to look good. But Anthony Richardson apparently kind of sounds like he's injury prone at this point. Maybe he has to change his style of play. And the Bengals, Joe Burrow, signs the big contract, aggravates his calf. Probably not going to play. They're already 0-2. They're going to their backup quarterback. Man, this is going to be a hungry team that plays the Rams, but their fan base, yeah, I don't think they're pissed yet, but they have to be a little perplexed about what's going on with their team. And then the Cleveland Browns, Kind of the same deal. Things looking really rosy for them. They looked so good last week and now they lose. Nick Chubb, one of the top two or three running backs in the league. Some people would say the best running back in the league. I'm not going to debate that. I have no idea. I don't have a strong opinion on it, but he's clearly one of their key players and he's, he's down for now and we'll find out how bad probably tomorrow morning by the time you hear this maybe. But Browns fans, kind of another franchise that's kind of jinxed in a ways, right? Going all the way back to that playoff fumble in the 1987 AFC Championship against the Broncos. Affectionately called the fumble in Cleveland and maybe Denver too, I suppose. Ernest Biner, poor Ernest Biner, putting it on the ground. Bad day to be a Browns fan. And maybe today is too. Nick Chubb going down. Quite the bummer for the Cleveland Browns. Fan base. That's all I got for you. We'll do this again in a few weeks. See if some of these fan bases change their mind about how they feel about their teams. And they very likely will. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com and don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Drive, Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamahama.